following is a podcast of 19 North, a young adults ministry at Victory Family Church. For more details, see 19north.tv. What's up, everybody? How's everyone doing tonight? Just to, to get a feel, how many of you guys have I, have I have never met or like talked to? Just raise your hand. Okay, how many do I know? How many of you guys have connected before? Okay, the majority. I just want to get a feel because I'll briefly just share who I am. Uh, my name is Doug. My life was greatly impacted by this church. Uh, I'm 30, I'm 31, I'll be 32 next month. I'm married to my high school sweetheart. She was here for Thrive, had to go home. We just had a baby girl. She's 11th month, 11 months old. Her name's Olivia, super cute. Um, she's become my new marketing strategy. He, Zach talked about we have an organization called L3 Leadership, and if you're a business owner, this is an idea. If you have a baby, basically, I like put baby pictures up because I know people want to see baby pictures. So it's like baby picture, baby picture, marketing, baby picture, baby picture, marketing. And uh, that's worked pretty well. But I have a 11 month old girl, Olivia. We love her. She's the best. I work at Light of Life Rescue Mission. How many of you guys have been to Light of Life or heard of Light of Life? How many of you guys have no idea what Light of Life is? Okay, so, um, so we're a nonprofit on the north side of Pittsburgh. We help the homeless. Um, we've been over, open for over 60 years. Last year, we served over 203,000 meals to the homeless. Uh, we have a long-term uh, program for men, women, and children that are homeless. Usually, that's a, <clears throat> usually the men and women that come in a long-term program are dealing with addiction and mental illness, and um, I'm sure that's something that you guys can all probably relate to. It's somewhat, we all know someone who's bound by addiction, um, and it's a wonderful thing. So I would just say, if you are interested in coming to Light of Life or serving at Light of Life, it's a great ministry to get involved with. I'd encourage you um, to do that. But I think that's all you need to know about me. My story, briefly, just in case we haven't met, uh, grew up Catholic, never really got church, never really connected with God. In middle school, I had a friend invite me to Slippery Rock Baptist Camp, which is right down the street. Got, heard someone preach just like I'm preaching tonight. For whatever reason, the Holy Spirit connected with my heart. I felt God's presence. I, got, um, I gave my heart to Christ that week at camp. Felt called into ministry when I was in seventh grade. Went all in for God for two years. At the same time, my mom had gotten sick. Uh, she had, had a rare nerve disease in her legs, and she ended up in a wheelchair and spent a, the, a majority of her life in bed. Um, and so when that happened, she, my mom was in bed all the time. My dad worked two jobs, and I went from having a pretty normal family life to no family life and, and no boundaries. <clears throat> never got grounded, never had a curfew, always allowed to do whatever I want, which when you're in middle school and high school, it's pretty sweet. Um, so, but naturally started hanging around with the wrong crowd, started getting into drugs, alcohol, felt totally away from God, wanted nothing to do with him, uh, determined that I would never amount to anything in life. My dad's a bus driver, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I just said, hey, worst case, I'll just be a bus driver. So had to go to summer school every single year to go to the next grade and graduate, and pretty much lived my life just partying all throughout high school, sold drugs, stole pills from my mom, and my senior year of high school, my mom got sick, uh, very sick and ended up passing away. And when she passed away, the only thing that bothered me, because I had seen her suffer for, you know, 10 years of my life, was I didn't know if she had a relationship with Christ. And I didn't know why that bothered me, because I didn't even care about God at the time. I didn't believe in God at the time. But every night, I would get drunk, I'd get high to numb the pain, and that question would haunt me. I'd be alone in my pillow, and, you know, you can put on a good face at the party, but it's just you and your pillow, you can't do a lot. And so every night, it's, you're never going to know. You're going to be 70 years old and not know if your mom knew Christ or if she's in heaven or in hell and tormented me for three months. Three months after she died, I get a phone call from a woman in my family, and she said, Doug, I really felt like God put you on my heart this morning and wanted me to let you know that I was a nurse in the hospital with your mom, and I led her to Christ about a month before she passed, and I think God wants you to know that. Now, this cousin didn't know me at all. I mean, she knew I, I guess, got saved in middle school. I didn't know her, 
And I hit my knees, I started crying, and I just said, God, whatever you want for the rest of my life, I'm yours. Because for the first time in my life, and maybe you've never experienced this, but I'm telling you it's true, I learned that God loved me. And, you know, God didn't just love the person down the street or the person next to me. He loved me so much that he led someone else. He loved my mom more than I loved my mom. And he loved my mom so much that he led someone else to lead her to Christ. And not only that, but he loved me enough to have some, tap some woman on the shoulder one Saturday morning to call me. And basically, that, that phone call was what enabled me to rededicate my life for Christ. I ended up in a Bible study two weeks later, met my wife. Her mom was a phenomenal woman of God. They actually brought me to this church. I met the youth pastor at the time, Larry Betancourt, and, and that was when I was 17 years old, and the rest is history. Uh, I'll be 32 this year. I've been following God ever since. I've kept that promise of God, whatever you want for the rest of my life, I'm yours. And uh, man, I consider it quite an honor just to be serving God in any capacity uh, at this point in my life. So uh, that's my story, just to connect. I'd like you to know who I am before we get into the word. Um, but really what I'm passionate about before I pray is what I'm talking about tonight. More than anything, I'm, I'm a teacher. I'm very, very practical. I'm like, just give me the action steps. Let's go. Uh, and more than anything, I, the only thing I care about for you is that two things. One, actually only one thing. I want you to walk with God on your own. Um, I don't want you to, to be like, wow, I had a fun service. Or wow. like, I want you to walk away and have your own relationship with God because I know if you have your own walk with God, it can walk with God on your own. It doesn't matter where you live, what city you move to, what job you have, your life's going to turn out all right. And so that's my objective tonight, but unfortunately, you may have heard Jesus uh, told a parable once of the sower and the seed, and he talked about four different people who started going after God and were excited about God. And he said four out of the five, I'm sorry, three out of the four people who started walking with God, who were on fire for God, eventually stopped. He said some people stopped because they just got fired up for a second and immediately the enemy came and stole the word out of their hearts. Some people, it was because they started caring more about what the world had to offer than what God had to offer and all these different things that, that took people away. If you reverse the way he said it, you could look at it this way. Only one out of four people stay with Jesus for the long run and they walk with God on their own. And I would love to say that in my 15 years walking with God, I have not seen that statistic to be true, but it's true. I used to spend every Saturday night in this room for five years, right? Like, 19 North was the place to be. This is where I spent my 20s. And I would love to say that everyone we went to 19 North with is still walking with God, but, but they're not. And, and what I want to talk to you about tonight is what Zach asked me to talk about. It's on the power of community and that community serving each other. And, um, and I don't think there's anything more important. So my hope today is that you'll walk away with a practical, uh, a practical thing to walk away with that I promise you, if you'll learn to, to connect with a godly community and connect with God in everyday life, you will make it to your finish line. And maybe that hasn't been a vision in your life, but that should be your only goal. God, I want to make it to my finish line. I'll, I'll spend for you. Whatever you call me to do, I want to do, but I want to make it. I don't want to fall out. I don't want to burn out. I don't want to lose my marriage. I don't want to lose my kids. I want to serve you all the days of my life and get down to the end of my life and say, God, I fought my fight. Here I am. Like, let's go. And I want him to look me in the eye and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's the vision I want you to have. Have a long-term vision, not a short-term vision. Don't care about what God's going to do in the next five years. Care what he's going to do in the next 70 years. I was listening to Mark Batterson. This is all just random, but I was listening to Mark Batterson on a podcast, and Eugene Peterson, the guy who wrote the Message Bible, he said, if I have any advice for Christians, it's, it's a simple phrase, long obedience in the same direction. That, that's, if you get no other takeaway tonight, like that, make that your life's journey. I'm going to be obedient to God over the long haul in the same direction. I'm just going to keep obeying and keep obeying and keep obeying until I hit my finish line. Let's pray.
Father, thank you so much for this time together. God, I thank you for this ministry. I thank you for Zach and Ellie as they lead this ministry, Lord, and the vision that you put in their hearts. Lord, I thank you for the vision they have for this community. Lord, I thank you for the community they've already built. And Lord, I just pray that you would do something so special in and through this community, Father. Lord, that people would go and change the world out of this ministry. Lord, I thank you for their hearts. I pray that everyone here feels like they belong, they can connect, and they can develop. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me in the next few moments. Lord, I pray that you speak to everyone in this room. Lord, whether it's something I say or something you whisper to their spirit, I just pray that you meet someone where they're at tonight and speak something they need. And I pray that we'll all be one step closer to you than we were when we came. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. So I kind of alluded to it already, but I want to talk to you about my message is called Together. We're better together, 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 together. I want to start with reading a blog post my wife recently wrote, and she can say it way better than I can, but this is what she wrote. It was about being intentional with going through life with people. She said, you aren't designed to do life alone. As a leader, if you're not plugged into a small group, a mastermind group, accountability group that meets on a consistent basis, you are not growing to your maximum potential. If you are navigating challenges by yourself, working out issues alone, or going through life isolated, you will most likely get stuck, stay stuck, and slowly begin to stop growing. I've seen too many leaders with all the potential in the world slowly lose their influence and effectiveness, and over time they actually stop living out the purpose for their life. Why? They didn't stay connected. I don't mean they never engaged with society and stayed in their house in isolation. I mean they never intentionally formed relationships where they opened up about challenges, were humble enough to receive feedback, and were held accountable to changing. It can happen to anyone. It happened to me. Life gets busy, our lives are full, even with good things. But if we aren't careful, we can find the days, weeks, months, and even years go by so fast, and we are the exact same person with the exact same challenges and doing the exact same things. We never grew, never moved forward, never dreamed, and never stepped out. You can only grow so much alone. You are limited by your own self. We all need people to help us see things we can't, to help us think differently, to challenge us, to encourage us, to see us through, and to call us out. Also, as leaders, I believe we are called to something bigger than ourselves. If we are to fulfill our purpose on earth, it will require the help of others. If you can accomplish your calling alone, you're not dreaming big enough. It's a powerful thing when leaders unite and gather together. Leaders get healthier, sharper, better, stronger, and wiser in the presence of other leaders. I've seen it firsthand. Together, we're more creative and innovative. Together, we are more disciplined and organized. Together, we are more intentional, hardworking, and efficient. In the presence and community of of leaders, we can dream bigger dreams. We break through lids. We accomplish things we never thought possible. And ultimately, we become the very best leaders we can be. When you get connected and plugged in with other leaders consistently, you can't help but raise your own standards. You can't help but be inspired. You can't help but go after the dreams in your heart. That's my whole sermon. (laughs) Laura was way better. Right, the end. Together, 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 together. If you don't get anything else out tonight, do not do life alone. The whole, I love, I'm looking at it right now, the signs, belong, connect, develop. I'm a relational leader just like Zach is, so that fires me up. I just love Zach and Ellie's heart. Why? Because they get it. And I'm going to teach their core values from my perspective tonight. I want to talk to you about belonging, connecting, and developing as a community. And hopefully I give you a vision for how to connect with each other. The first thing I want to talk about is belong. What does belonging look like in the kingdom of God? Jesus said this in in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 through 48. He said, you have heard the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. 
Pray for those who persecute you. In this way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the good and the evil. He sends his rain on the just and unjust alike. Here it is. If you love only those who love you, your, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even the pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Do you know that God lets people belong to him long before that he, they ever believe in him or do anything for him? Man, God loves people right where they're at. And what I love about God, do you know that the Bible says that, that while we were his enemies, he sent Christ to die for us? What does that mean? While we had nothing to offer God, he allowed us to belong to his kingdom. The Bible says he so loved the world that he gave his son. He loved us when we didn't deserve it and we, and we could offer him nothing in return. Do you, I know this about God. God loves people. And, and in that verse it says, you are to be perfect either, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. We're to love as he loved. And we're not just to love, supposed to love those who are in our clique or in our group or that we think are cool. We're supposed to love everybody. Jesus just didn't love this group of people or people that were like him. He loves all kind of people. He, he loves everyone on the planet. Everyone say this out loud real quick. God loves people. God loves people who aren't like me. And how about this one? God loves people I don't like. Look at your neighbor and say, God even loves you. Right? But, you, you know, but think about that in reality. God loves people you don't like. Does anyone in the room have anyone you don't like? Be honest. Does anyone have anyone they hate? Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Well, yeah. That's hilarious. Well, God loves Tom Brady. Everyone say it. He does. Um, but, but Jesus said, man, if you only love those, and when, I know we joke about Tom Brady, but, I mean, are there people that you just despise and you most want to see bad happen to them? I mean, I remember there's been times in my life where I've hated people so bad that, like, literally I said, Laura, I told my wife, if I could put a car bomb in their, bom in their car, a car bomb in their car and blow them up, I would. Now, <laughs> don't record that. I wouldn't actually do that. But have you ever been there with people? But does God love those people just as much as he loves you? Man, and, and do we, are we any better than them? And man, I think sometimes God, the, I forget what Bob Goff said. I read a tweet the other day. He said, one of the greatest things God ever put in our lives was people that we don't like and, and told us to love them. One of the greatest commands in the Bible is to love your enemies. And, and God, man, what if you started praying for that person? What if, if you hate them and you don't even know why they are like they are? Maybe you don't like their personality, maybe they're mean, maybe they're harsh, but maybe they're that way because they have a horrible past that you couldn't even imagine living through. We need to start seeing people as God sees them. Let's see how Jesus did this in the flesh. In, in, um, there it is, Matthew 2. This is a story about Jesus. Then when Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds uh, that were coming to him, and as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, uh, sitting at the tax collector's booth. And he said, follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many other tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. And when the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? A few questions. If you're a Christian, are people ever surprised with who you, who you hang out with? 
I've heard it as a statistical fact that once you're a Christian, after two years, all of your non-Christian friends are gone. And, and that's not okay. Jesus said to go in the world and reach everybody. We're to love the lost. We're to love the lost. But, and Jesus was constantly around people not like them. But in today's world, the, the whole church will be like, why aren't you hanging out with the pastors of the church? Why aren't you hanging out with the, the religious leaders? And I love that. The Pharisees were like, why is he eating with such scum? And I love Jesus' response. He said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. And my question is, if you've been walking with God for a while, do you still have a heart for those that know they're sinners? Do you still have a heart for the people that walk in here every, every week? Or maybe it's their first week here, and they've never felt like they belong to anything or are you more focused on you just hanging out with that girl that you wanted to say hi to tonight or the group that you wanted to hang out with so badly? Do you see the sinners? And here, how about this? Do sinners love hanging out with you? They apparently loved hanging out with Jesus. They loved doing life with him. They were eating dinner with him. And that's what I love. It didn't say Jesus was preaching a message at dinner to them. And we, we overemphasize this platform way too much, guys. The people that have made a difference from, in my life and for Christ, it was never, I, I don't remember half the messages. I may remember one or two things they said. It was who they were that impacted me. And it's who you are that's going to impact the world. And if you don't know how to love as God loves and love people different than you and help them feel belonging, you're never going to reach a ton of people for Christ. We need to allow people to belong before they believe. We need to do life with people. I love this. If you're doing ministry right, you should be leading more people to Christ by who you are than what you're saying. St. Francis said this. He said, it's no use walking anywhere to preach unless our walking is our preaching. He also said, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. And I think there's a huge ministry of belonging that we miss out on. What if you saw your whole ministry as just making everyone feel as though they belonged? Because do you know in the kingdom of God, everyone does belong? And if you're here, maybe you've never felt like you've belonged to anything, and I'm telling you, you're in the right place. You belong here. This is a place where you belong in the kingdom of God. God loves you. And this is just a story. Again, I think I have the heart of evangelists. Like, all I care about is leading people to Christ and people growing in their walk with God. But I, I'm so, I, I don't care about preaching. Like, I know that's weird because I'm preaching. But, man, when I see people get to do life with, and I can be an example to them, and that impacts them, that's what makes me fired up. I recently got a thank you note from a kid that was in our L3 group. And again, he came to our group, and, and I had a choice. Am I going to include them, or am I not going to include them? You know, because there's a lot of people to include. Do I want to? And, and God's just given me heart to be an includer. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. And this is what he wrote to me after a year and a half of spending time with him. And to give context for the letter, uh, when we were very early on, he, he obviously found out we were Christians. He took me out to dinner. And again, I just, I'm just me. I'm not there to preach a message. And he asked me like 500 questions about God. And I didn't say, do you want to, man, do you want to pray this prayer and all this stuff? I just let it be. A year and a half later, I get this letter. I'll skip all the parts that you wouldn't have context for. But he said, I've seen, um, he said, all of the following things we do have been spawned from you, in your example. Date night, game night, niece night, blah, blah, blah. And he said, the last thing you have helped me bring back, God. From our first meeting at the, the Northside restaurant to now, you never imposed anything. You talked and were patient. I can't wait to see what God has in store for me. You brought us to victory at the perfect time. Yeah. They, and again, you have to be led in every situation. But in this situation, man, I just wanted them to belong. I don't care if they come to church. I don't care if they talk to me about God. I just want to be, my, be who I am. 
And as a result of that, a year and a half later, they ended up coming to church, I think, three weeks ago. Now they're coming here every week. They're bringing their niece here, and God's moving in their family. And, it, and for me, like, that, that is what will keep me going for the rest of my life, not preaching up here, getting to do some cool ministry opportunity. It's making a difference in the lives of individuals. When you come to 19 North, you're at a place that you can belong. And what if this was a place where everyone felt like they belonged? And I, I just want to encourage you, don't judge people with preconceived notions. We judge all the time. And, and man, I'm quick to do it. I can, if, if I'm real honest, I don't seem like this, but I can judge someone in like 30 seconds. I'm like, yeah, I'm never going to hang out with them or I'm not going to invest in them. But do you know how many times God's dealt with me to, to deal with my own bad attitude and start loving them? And do you know that the very people that I thought I would never connect with end up being some of my best friends and they end up adding the most value to my life and vice versa? What if God wants to use you to impact the people that you don't like forever? What if you could change their eternity? It won't happen if you judge them up front. Man, love everybody. I put, what if this was a place that people could come as they are, were accepted at where they were, and people could belong before they could believe? And again, if you're here, I want you to know that you belong here. You can come here as you are, and you will be accepted where you are. And you can belong long before you believe. We're glad you're here tonight. The second value of this ministry that I love is connect. Connect, and then I just added this. It wouldn't sound as cool, but connect and stay connected. Connect and stay connected. All too often, I mean, this is a pretty simple uh, illustration, but if you have a fire and there's a bunch of logs and you saw yourself as a log, man, maybe before Christ you were a wet log and your life was just lumpy, wet, and cold. I don't know, right? It's kind of awkward and sounding. But what if you throw the, but if you throw a lumpy, cold, I don't know how lumpy, cold logs work in the fire, so just go along with my illustration. But if you throw that lumpy, wet, fire, log, Joel, this is your fault if you're out there, but if you throw that wet log in the fire, eventually it's going to catch on fire. And if it's with all the other things, it's going to get on fire. And so often, that's what happens. We come to a place like this, and we get so excited. We're like, finally, a group of people like me, a people who are fired up about God, and we get so excited. But I see it over and over again. It's just like that parable with Jesus. Not long, they start separating themselves. And maybe they inch their way out of the fire. Well, I can start to do some of the things I used to do, or I can start hanging out with this old crowd again. And they start, and before they know it, they're five feet removed from the fire. And what happens when you're removed from the fire and you don't stay connected to the fire? You start to burn out real fast. And before you know it, man, you're, you're soggy, wet, and lumpy again. Those are the three worst adjectives. My vocabulary is not very expansive, as you can tell. But stay connected. And the book of Acts gives us a perfect illustration of what a connected community looks like. In Acts chapter 2, it says this. It said, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship and sharing in meals and in prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, for the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions. They shared their money with those in need. They worshiped God together at the temple every day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day the Lord added to them the fellowship of those who were being saved. Connected and stay connected. What did they do to stay connected? Several things. Number one, they were intentional about connecting with the word of God. They were going to church. They were going to church every day. What if you showed up here every week? There's nothing more important to your growth than, than consistency. If I could give you one value, it would be faithfulness and consistency. Like, those are the two values that you should develop the most in your life. My high school football coach used to say it all the time. Day-to-day -day intensity, week-to-week -week consistency builds champions. If you want to be a champion for Christ, show up every day. Show up every week. Be here every week. You don't see yourself growing overnight. You don't see your hair growing overnight. But after a month, you need a haircut. 
You don't know how much you're growing coming here week after week. You don't know how much word's getting in you week after week. You're growing more than you think you are. Stay connected. I don't care if you don't feel like you're coming. Man, isn't it time? It's just when you don't want to work out, when you make yourself work out, you're glad you did. Man, God wants to speak to you here every week. And you don't know what you missed the weeks that you don't go. It could have been the exact word that you needed to hear. Be consistent. Next is small groups and just connecting outside of here. Are you in a group that you can be real with, that you can share meals with, make memories with, and pray with each other with outside of this this place? Nothing is more important. The number one factor I see in Christian leaders that fail and fall away from God is they don't have a place that they can be safe and share their issues with. My favorite youth retreat I ever spoke at was last November. And what I, why it was my favorite retreat was we, it was, uh, I, I love youth retreats just in general, but it was, uh, I think it was, we started at, was it new, midnight? I don't know. We started at like 10 p.m. It was freezing cold out. It was starting to snow. And we built a bonfire outside, and there was this really cool fire pit. There was 30 students there. And the youth pastor said, we're going to do this thing called peel the onion. And I said, well, what's the peel the onion? He goes, we're going to peel back the layers in people's lives so they can get real and pray for each other and encourage each other. And he cast the vision. He said, guys, tonight we're just going to go around. Everyone's going to have an opportunity to share. You certainly don't have to, but we're just going to share what we're going through. And, and one person started, and he started, and he was very vulnerable. The whole entire camp shared. And people shared stuff like, man, my mom died of an overdose when I was young. My parents just split. I'm going through it. I, I don't even know how to deal with this. I'm addicted to pornography. I mean, one thing after another after another. And what was interesting was uh, what the youth pastor told me these two girls uh, shared what they were going through. They, had, they were going through the exact same thing, but they hated each other. And they had no idea that they were going through the exact same thing. And when they were done, man, that bond, they got together, they cried, and they hugged each other, and they prayed for each other. And while they were enemies before, they found that the Bible says we're all going through the same test and trials. And do you have a safe place that you can be real with, that you can say those kind of things with? We did that for two hours, and then we literally just prayed for each other for two hours. It's great to have small groups to have fun, like Zach said, lip syncing, all that's fun. But do you have a place to get real? You can't get real in a message. You get to sit here and listen. Do you have that safe place where you can be together, challenge each other, and pray over each other? And it said they shared everything they had. They met each other's needs. You know what I love about that? You know, I grew up, my dad was a bus driver. We never made a lot of money, but I went to North Allegheny, and people had a lot of money there. And do you know that I never had nice clothes? Man, I I wore large jokes with me, but I used to wear sweatpants and like a Mighty Duck sweatshirt to, to school. And yeah, I made it cool, but it wasn't cool, right? And I don't even know if I really made it cool. I just think I did. Um, but do you know, man, I would see all these kids wearing like Abercrombie and Fitch and all these cool clothes. And, and man, it, I couldn't even get like a $10 shirt at Walmart without getting yelled at. And do you know, man, I can remember. And man, it's just the love of God. I remember people bringing me bags of their old clothes. And they may have been a year or two old, but I got to wear Abercrombie and Fitch shirts. And that, man, that made me feel so cool and made me feel so worthy and so loved. Man, are we sharing what we have? Some of you are extremely blessed. Can you share with those who don't have? Man, that's what the body of Christ is for, to find out each other's needs and help meet them. Be looking for people's needs. Share your life with people. Again, like my wife said, if you're navigating challenges by yourself, working out issues alone, going through life isolated, you will most likely get stuck, stay stuck, and slowly begin to stop growing. I've seen too many leaders with all the potential in the world slowly lose their influence and effectiveness over time because they stopped living and actually stopped living out their purpose of their life. Why? They didn't stay connected. Belong, connect, and stay connected. And the last value of this ministry that I love is develop. And this is the thing I love more than anything. I love personal growth. I love development. 
But I won't talk much about growing yourself because in the end, it's not about you. I always say this, that in the beginning of your walk with God, it should be all about you. And your life walk with God should be all about you. But if you do things right and you're growing in Christ, eventually your life should be all about others. That's the natural progression of, of spiritual growth. In the beginning of your walk with God, it should be all about you. But in the end, if you do things right, your walk with God should be all about others. And here's what I know. If you'll stay connected, I'm not worried about your personal growth. If you'll show up to, to church every week, be consistent, get in a community, be open with people, pray for people, you're going to grow. You'll make it to your finish line. But there's an even bigger side to life than that, and it's living your life for others. In Philippians 2, verse 1 through 3, Paul said this. I'll just start in verse 3. He said, don't be selfish and don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. And my question is, are you helping others develop? And hear about this, and this is what I want to close with. Do you love each other enough to speak the truth and love in each other's life when we need it? Ephesians 4 talks about growing up spiritually, and it says the, the highest mark of being spiritually mature is speaking the truth in love. When you can actually speak the truth in love, and that's a whole other sermon, but it will give you context for this. In Galatians 6, verse 1 through 3, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back on the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this way you obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. You are not that important. And if I'm honest with you, I've had this attitude way too many times in my life. It's, you're responsible, so I don't have to be. You're responsible, so I don't have to be. What do I mean by that? There's people, there's people in this room right now that afterwards I would have an opportunity to connect with, and, and I could just say, well, I'm just going to go home after this because I'm tired and I need to go see Laura. But what if God wanted to use me to connect with one of you in prayer of you and, and whatever? What if that led to a divine appointment? And so many times we just leave, hey, Pastor Zach and Ellie, that's their job. They'll impact people in this ministry, or, or that's their job to give people hope. Man, but the Bible says you have responsibility in the life of other believers. And if you think you're too important to help someone else, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. And we may not say that we think we're too important, but there's times where we just brush people off because we think we're too important, or we think whatever we have to go to is too important, or we're busy. But the ultimate development in, in, in life is the development of God's kingdom. In James 5.19, it says, My dear brothers and sisters, if, if someone among you wanders away from truth and is brought back, you can be sure that what's, whosoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and will bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Now, I just want to challenge you. Man, when is the last time that God dealt with your heart to, to talk to someone about something that they were going through or something they were doing that you didn't feel like was the best for them and you actually did it? When was the last time you spoke the truth and love to someone? Because here's what I know. If you're walking with God, he's going to deal with your heart about things like that. I know for me, I, I, some of you have heard the story before, but it changed my life forever, and I'm so glad that someone actually obeyed the scripture. There was a kid named, well, I'll just call him the Oompa Loompa. There was a kid that I was friends with, looks like an Oompa Loompa, and I was 17 years old, and I, I was living a double standard lifestyle. I was interning at this church uh, during the week, pouring into teenagers' lives, and then getting hammered on weekends and getting high. It was awesome, right? No, it wasn't awesome. Um, double standard lifestyle, and maybe some of you guys have been there. And what changed it for me was this Oompa Loompa. Talk about including. I didn't want to include this kid in everything. I, in fact, I wanted to like, keep this kid as far away as possible. 
But he annoyed me so much, and I said, finally, just come over. I was having a party at my house. My friends were getting high and drunk on the front porch. The Oompa Loompa, and I told them, I'm like, guys, while this kid's here, I'm church bubba. But as soon as he leaves, like, it's on. And uh, so the Oompa Loompa comes over, and he sees all my friends drinking and getting high on the front porch. He grabs me by the shirt, pulls me into my mom's bathroom, slaps me in the face, literally, physically, and says, what are you doing? And I said, what do, you, what do you mean, what am I doing? I'm like, those are my high school friends. Like, I, you know, those are my friends. Like, they still drink and get high. They need Jesus. <laughs> and after this meeting, I'm going to need him too. Uh, right? Um, but he looked me in the eyes. He said, I know exactly what you're doing. I know the lifestyle you're living. You have three days to tell Pastor Larry. And if you don't, I will. And I don't know if you've ever wanted to kill an Oompa Loompa. Uh, but at that time, I, I just wanted to, like, tear this kid to shreds. And he left. That's it. He's like, all right, Oompa out. Psh- Left. Uh, hashtag that. What's up? Um, Joel, that was your fault too. I'm getting off script. But uh, Oompa out. The Oompa left. But I cried. I cried for three days um, when the Oompa left. Why? Because I thought I was done. And I, maybe you feel like this. Maybe you're living a double standard life and you feel like God has something special for your life. And I can promise you, if you're living and breathing in this room, He does. But I felt because of my lifestyle, it was done. And God would say no to me. The church was going to kick me out and I'd be done in ministry. I went and met my pastor that Sunday. I told him the lifestyle I'd been living. I was crying. I couldn't even look him in the eye. And, um, man, you want to talk about a sense of belonging in a place where you can be accepted where you are and loved for who you are no matter what you do? I looked up at the youth pastor crying, and he was smiling. And he was smiling. He said, Bubba, I love you, and I believe in you, and God has a call in your life. And the Bible says a righteous man falls down seven times but gets back up again. Get back up again. But he said, let me qualify with this. I can't let you keep living this lifestyle and and let you lead. So what are you going to do? You have a choice to make. Are you all in with God or aren't you? And at that point, that was was the the night I drew a line in the sand. I got rid of all my friends and the rest is history. Man, that was the end of my double-centered life. But what if the Oompa Loompa never did what the scripture said? What if he only cared about himself or didn't care about me? Or what if he just said, Bubba's a loser. He's screwed. He always does get high and drunk every week. Man, he loved me enough to physically slap me in the face. And maybe some of you after this service need to slap someone in this room in the face. No, that would be so funny afterwards that we just have a slap fest, right? <laughs> you all been living in sin. Psh, psh. In fact, we could just do like a Benny Hinn service. You can all come up here and all about never mind. That's, delete that out of the podcast. Psh. All right, that's bad. Um, where was I going? So, but... Well, what if he, I can promise you, if he never had that conversation, I might not be here today. I may have never married my wife, Laura. I may have never uh, had our daughter, Olivia. And, and that's no exaggeration. And man, when is the last time you loved someone enough to call them out? Because far too often, I see believers are afraid to have those tough conversations, and they push it aside and say, someone else will do it. Someone else will reach them. Someone else will love them. But God tapped you on the shoulder to do it. And yeah, God will use someone else. But what does that say about you? Man, God wants people we can count on. And I want to be the kind of Christian that no matter who God taps me on the shoulder, if he says, stay an extra hour and talk to this kid, pray to this kid, call this kid, slap this kid in the face, man, I want to be one of God's go-tos. I don't know about you. Maybe some of you have to have a hard conversation. And maybe some of you, just based on my story, need to draw a line in the sand and just say, I'm done with this double lifestyle. I'll close with this vision. I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Hacksaw Ridge. Um, it's a movie that just came out. It's an awesome movie. I'd encourage you to see it. It's, it's super gory, so like, if you're not into gore, don't see it. But uh, I'm just going to tell you what happens. This isn't like a spoiler, but basically there's a guy that wants to go in the Army. He doesn't want to touch guns. He's a medic, and he ends up saving people's lives. 
That's the movie. But you have to see everything in between. But what I love is what, at one point in the movie, all the soldiers are off the battlefield, and basically there's just chaos left on the battlefield. And who knows how many injured soldiers are out there. And he literally stayed behind. The, the whole troop didn't even know he was still on the battlefield. He stayed up an entire night. And, and he said, God, what do I do? What do I do? And he heard someone scream. And he said, okay, God. And he ran out and he rescued this guy. And then his prayer was, God, one more. Lord, help me help one more. He went back out. Man, he pulled another guy and saved that guy's life. Lord, one more. Goes back out. He saved 75 people in one night. 75 people that would have laid there and died, but he saved their lives. He laid down his life. He didn't, it wasn't about him. And he laid down his life for others, and that's what we're called to do. Every single week here, there's someone that comes in. That this is their last chance that they're giving God. If they don't experience God tonight, they're done with him. Or maybe they're going to end it all. Guys, we are in a life and death battlefield here. You don't always see the battle, but it's happening. The Bible says we have an enemy that loves to steal, kill, and destroy. And he would have loved to steal, kill, and destroy me that night. And he could have. What if, what if, if I never got slapped, what if I became an alcoholic, got in a drunk driving accident, and dead? God had this huge plan for my life. But man, thank God he sent someone to love me enough. Thank God I had a community of believers like this to help me uh, belong, connect, and develop. And so as I close tonight, I just want to pray that you'll continue to grow into a community that lets people belong before they believe, that allows people to come as they are and where they are and feel a sense of belonging anyway. I pray that you'll be a community that allows people to connect with a community that's unlike any community they've ever experienced, a community that will love them and help them become something they could only become through this community and in Christ. And I pray that this will be a community that allows people to develop into the people that God can use to save the lives of hundreds of thousands of, of people and fulfill the God in their lives. Guys, this is one of the greatest seasons of your life. Let's do this together. We are better together. Everyone in this room is on the same team. Love those who aren't like you. Love those that you don't like. Man, let's take as many people with us to heaven as we can. And thank God for Zach and Ellie and the vision that he put in their hearts. Let's change the world. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this time together. Father, I thank you that in your word you give us an example of how to love people. Lord, you give us an example of what a loving community looks like and what a loving community does. And Lord, I pray that 19 North would be known as a loving community, Father, that changes the world for you. Lord, I thank you for the leaders in this room and the people in this room. Lord, that you have awesome plans for their lives to impact hundreds of thousands of people, Father. And Lord, I just pray that you give us all the courage to hear you and obey, no matter how difficult it is. Lord, maybe some of us have been living lives and we need to draw a line in the sand or maybe we know we've been supposed to have a hard conversation with a friend and we've been putting it off, hoping that someone else will talk to them, but you've dealt with us to talk to them. Give us the courage to do that, knowing that it could change their destiny, that it could save their future, it could save their life. Father, help us to see the battlefield that, that we're on every single day and the seriousness of that. God, I thank you for Zach and Ellie. I pray that you bless them. I pray that you keep them. I pray that you surround them with awesome godly leaders that they can be open with. I thank you for their character and integrity and the call you have on their life to reach thousands of people, Father. I thank you for that. I thank you for everyone under the sound of my voice. In Jesus' name, amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I never want to leave a service without giving you the greatest invitation to belong that I could. And that's the invitation to belong to the kingdom of God as a child of God. When I was in seventh grade, I heard someone preach the gospel and they said, Jesus Christ came and he lived the life that I should have lived and died the death I should have died so that I could have a relationship with God, spend eternity with him in heaven, and, and have a heaven here on earth. And the Bible says that it's not something you earn, it's not something you can do by going to church or doing good works. There's only one way to get to heaven, and that's by accepting the, the loving sacrifice that Christ made on the cross. 
And the Bible says all you have to do is believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and repent of your sins and Jesus will come to your life and make you a brand new person. It is the greatest decision you can ever make in your life. So if you're here tonight, you've never made that decision. And you'd say to me tonight, Doug, I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life tonight. I want to become a brand new person in him. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand on the count of three. I'm not going to embarrass you, point you out, or anything like that. I'm simply going to pray with you, and everyone here will pray with you, and Jesus will come into your life. So if that's you, and you say to me, Doug, tonight I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life, would you just raise your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Anybody else? It's the best decision ever. Awesome. Well, if you raised your hand or should have, pray this out loud. Were you here? Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die for me. I believe that he died on the cross and he rose from the dead for me. God, I repent of my sin and I ask you into my heart. I thank you for coming and making me brand new. And I thank you that I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys so much. Thank you. Who's this, thankful for Doug Smith, huh? Are these tips? Is this preaching tips? Where did this come if from? You want